Hi, my name is Peter Maestri and you're listening to Divorce, the first six months. If you're someone who's about to go through a divorce or maybe you're just healing from one, then you're in the right place. This conversation and the stories that you're going to listen to focus on people that have been through a divorce, but more importantly, how they navigated through it. Having said that, let's get right into it. Well, exercise is good. And what's interesting is exercise doesn't make me release. It's not one of these things where when I'm done going for a run, I feel better. I just feel like it's almost this, the fact that I'm moving and getting my energy up and tiring myself out allows me, it's kind of, I, the way I describe it is I take my anger to the pavement. So like I almost get myself more worked up, but I'm so tired that like I've allowed my body to physically work through some stuff. And then once I'm done and I'm tired, I'm still pissed off, but there's some kind of release that happened that I can't really explain why. Yeah. So working out's one. Um, I should meditate more. I just don't because I'm lazy and I get bored. Um, so I think that would be a good method. I just haven't used it much. Um, I have the world's cutest dog, so I'll take him to like little parks. That helps. Um, but honestly, the best is music for me. I'll drive around and honestly, I should probably be walking more than driving and listen to really sad music and like really angsty music because I'm emo for life and that part of me never left. Um, and, and again, none of this actually in the moment makes me feel, oh, I feel so much better. But for some reason, that process over a few days or a few weeks, eventually I just let go once I allow myself to do all those things, if that makes sense. That makes total sense. Like for me, I had jujitsu was a, an outlet and then, you know, working out and just taking on health was made a huge difference because it, I was able to channel the aggression and I was the anger. Mm -hmm. Like, cause I, I just wanted to, you know, do something when I was first learning how to handle it. Mm -hmm. but yeah, definitely. And especially um, being conscious of it, knowing, granting it being, but I think that's the most important part. And, and, and it's a recurring um, character in all the conversations that I've had regarding divorce mm -hmm. is somebody always has a go-to, you know, for you, it's running yeah. or for me, it's jujitsu. It, we all have our go-to because it's super important. I do think it's really important for listeners to know though, that it's not a short term solution. It's not like I go for a run and the moment I'm done, I feel better. Yeah. It's, is, it's hard to explain, but it is a long-term thing where over a couple of days, if I continue to engage in these sort of release activities, at some point I realize I'm feeling better, but it's a long-term approach rather than a short-term thing. Yeah. You have to manage your time, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't manage your time, your thoughts start running rampant. Right. How important is it to manage your time? It's really, it, everything's a balance. You need the time to feel crappy. You need the time to focus on other things. You need the time to engage your mind. I mean, there's things like engaging it with work. There's engaging play. There's being a friend and hanging out with other people. I think that all of that is necessary for moving forward in a healthy way. Because if you're just sitting around stewing in your thoughts, then, and to be fair, it is, like, like I said before, it is riding a wave and there's going to be, t you can't schedule your time. It's ridiculous. That's not how it works. It hits you when it hits you. But I do think there has to be some sense of pattern. And I don't know if pattern's the right words. Um, some sense of a schedule um, and consistency in your days where at least you're going to work for these hours. You're maybe socializing on these days during a certain time. And consistency, I think, helps navigating gives you some sense of normalcy and a way to ground you. So I think that scheduling your time and allowing yourself to engage your brain in different ways during different times of the day is a really good way to just ground you and to keep you 
um, able to sort through your feelings in a way that doesn't destroy your life because that's not all you're doing. Yeah. Did you end up going through like a, a physical separation pattern, like a space where when you are not no longer, the person's no longer there, you know, or sleeping mm-hmm. next to you or, or yeah. Uh, yeah, there was definitely a physical separation for me. I mean, to be fair, it's a two, there's two parts to that answer. One, I have a dog who luckily he, I'm such a sucker. You're not supposed to let dogs on the bed cause it's like an alpha thing. And yet I totally let him sleep on the bed. With me. <laughs> so I wasn't alone alone when I would sleep, which is really nice. I had like a cuddly little sweetheart, but, um, I very much hibernated for a year. I didn't date or even want to date for a full year. Um, I think, cause I mean, we were still going through that divorce during that time and I just had no desire to, I think I wanted to focus first of all, more professionally. And second of all, I had, was just sorting through so much emotional crap and still so connected to my ex that anything I just threw myself into, I wouldn't be ready for. So yes, there was definitely a physical separation. I really missed him. And then he also moved back to LA. So that move was difficult um, when he was gone, gone. Because before he was still like a 10, 15 minute drive away and we weren't seeing each other, but he was there. And then once he came back to LA, that was another suck to the gut because I was like, okay, he's really gone now. Yeah. How do you manage that? Like, how did you? Uh... <laughs> I don't know. I cried oh. a lot. <laughs> crying. Yeah. It was a lot of crying. It was a lot of, um, honestly, I don't even remember. Scott, this is the amazing thing about the human brain. There's so much shit I'm sure I've blocked out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I only remember good things. Um, but how did I manage it? Um, I think it was November. So luckily there was a lot of, travel at that time and seeing family for the holidays and luckily i was able to focus on the things i was grateful for because a big part of what was tough on me was i and he would kill me for saying this but i felt like he was a needy person he just is somebody who does depend emotionally on his partner a lot so when it came to the holidays and i would take him like to my parents place i felt like it was a lot of me emotionally watching him and doing some babysitting. And to be fair, he was always wonderful at parties and talked to people and engaged. So it wasn't like he was some reckless social loser who couldn't talk to people, (laughs) but he definitely required a lot of time and a lot of energy. And I always felt, felt like I couldn't just relax. And so I was grateful for the fact that I finally had room to just chill. I could be home and not have to think about taking care of anybody. So I was able to focus on some of the things I was appreciative of now that he was no longer in my life. And then that was balanced out by feeling shitty in the second. When, you, when you're inside of that right, frame of mind and you have the, the level of education that you obviously have, you know, how do you share that afterwards? Like I, you're obviously said yes to me inside this conversation and mm-hmm. we're exploring, but how do you, how do you uh, channel that outside like when you see it like for me um i'll use myself as an example to give you a a platform Mm -hmm. i started this podcast and i Mm -hmm. because i saw that people weren't healing and if they did they did it themselves because it's such a conversation that you don't want to share nobody wants to talk nobody wants to be a downer (laughs) nobody wants to and this is something that really needs people we need to heal and we Mm -hmm. heal through communicating we use our friends when we're going through it but and then afterwards we don't you know there the conversation becomes 
in our mind, especially after the first six months, which will be the next podcast. But for now, we're talking about the first six months. Um, dating, post divorce. <laughs> definitely. We're, and we're getting we're gonna get into dating. But um yeah, how do you how do you feel about that? Like how do you what do you think happens afterwards? How do you heal afterwards is the question. Um well, I, I feel like it's two, that may have been two questions. There's the question of... Like 17 uh, questions. <laughs> well, I'll focus on the first part of what you were talking about, which is how you sort of bring your experiences out into the world in helping others. And I think, so I studied psych when I was in college. And one of the things they tell you is nobody wants to feel like you're analyzing them. Nobody wants to feel like you're their psychologist. They have to do things willingly. So... Basically, the way I handle my experience and the people around me is I really just try to listen as a friend and see if I can pick up on the subtle nonverbal cues that they're going through something similar that I did. And I don't point it out to them that I'm doing this. Um, and I just like, and it's not even somebody who's married. It might be somebody who's been in a long-term relationship or they have certain issues they're having with someone who they've been with for a while. And all of it just feels really familiar because I've been there. So my my strategy more than um, do something quite as out there and very clear as a podcast is more that with the people in my life, if they're going through something similar, I just try to be there for them as a friend. Um, I ask them questions about the relationship that aren't so on the nose that it's like, oh, here's what I went through. Are you going through something similar? But just genuinely asking them, so how are you doing today? I mean, and, and really just engaging them in the relationship. So if they want to talk about it, they can. And then I have some friends who've come up to me and said, can you tell me a little about this? What happened with you guys? I'm just trying to understand it. And the more that I talk to them about it, then they'll, they just will about my experience and not making it about them at all. Then they listen and they feel like they're in a position where they're there to learn and just listen to what I went through. And then they will go and bring that back to the relationship. So it's a mix of just being really open and honest about my relationship when people ask me and then being a good listener with friends and people in my life and being able to be there for them if they want, if they're going through something similar. Yeah. Do you find that being a good listener is something that you keep uh, growing? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing that's funny about being a good listener is for years I thought it was shutting up and just listening. And that was what it meant to be a good listener. But it's two parts. It's the shutting up because not everything you say is great and you don't always have to be talking or the loudest person in the room. But it's also asking questions. Like one of the rules I have, and this is something that took a really long time for me because I, as you probably noticed, I like to talk, um, is if somebody else is talking, and this is kind of a general, it's not quite so on the nose, but ask them a minimum of five questions about what they're talking about so that they can continue. You like show that not just that you're listening to what they have to say, but you want to hear more about what they're talking about and allowing them to go on about it again, if they want. And if they want, they can ask you questions. And then there's also the balance of finding, they say something and you tell a story about yourself that empathizes with that, but also in that moment, still not turning it on to yourself. You still need to like say, oh, I went through something kind of similar, but more on what you were talking about so that they just don't feel alone in their experience. Thank you once again for giving us your time. This started because someone challenged me to be vulnerable. So I'm going to challenge you right now. If it made a difference. Reach out and tell somebody. It really does make a difference. <laughs>